So good morning listeners and welcome to Sacred Space here in West Limit 102. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me this morning and this is the 11th of February, the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time and it's the World Day of the Sick. Love to welcome uh, you all to join us this morning for a special program this morning. But to help me to present the program before, before I go any further, Shane Ambrose, good morning to you Shane, how are you? Good morning, John, and how are we doing this morning? Very good, thank you so much, Shane. I uh, just alluded there, just at the start there, that, that, that the, the, the program this morning will take the line that we have Father Luke McNamara, excuse me, Luke McNamara, from Glenstall Abbey, joining us in part two of the program. Father Luke is going to share with us um, his, a few thoughts on Lent, and also let us know about some Lenten talks that are due to take place uh, this month and during during Lent in Glenstall Abbey, and also he's going to stay with us for the Gospel. But in the meantime, what we want to do is welcome, especially those people of you who are listening out there, who are sick and housebound, and those who are lonely and searching for some hope. We hope that you'll find something with us this morning, as I believe you usually do, that the Holy Spirit is wants us all to hear. Um, this program, as you know, at this particular stage, is repeated again on West Limit 102 Radio tonight at 11pm. And a podcast of this program is available on our blog, which is www.sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Now, as people might be aware these particular days, we've done a few things in terms of blogs and podcasting websites, and now there's a new thing we got going. So to explain that all to us in layman's terms, Shane Ambrose, tell us all, tell us all what's happening. Good morning, John. Okay. How are we doing? Good. Uh, yeah, so as listeners will probably remember, over the last couple of months we've, we've been saying to people, uh, we're having problems with the podcast, and if you want a particular program, let us know. Now, for those that are not internet savvy, what's a podcast? A podcast is basically, it's a recording of the program that you can get off the internet. That's basically what the podcasts are. So over the last number of years, uh, Sacred Space 102 has had a version of the, the, the program, the recording, sitting on the internet for people that have wanted to listen to it. So what we've done over the last couple of weeks is we have actually set it up as a proper <coughs> podcast. Um, so that means we have gone and gone and set up a new account, and we are now officially on iTunes. And so and we're under our program, our studio program, which is called, of course, Come and See Inspirations. So, um, so if, you, if you're on iTunes, and you look up either Sacred Space 102 or you look up Come and See Inspirations, you will, you will find us there in terms of podcasts, which of course are free, and you can link in and get our weekly podcast accordingly as we put them up. Um, so that's for those. So if any of, your list, any of our listeners, particularly those that are overseas, um, want to just to get the podcast, it's a, it's, it's a good way to do it on iTunes. And it's, uh, it's easier to access, easier to play, and hopefully will make it a bit easier for people to find us online as well. So that's, that's, that's the good news, John, we have in terms of that. And over the next couple of weeks, we are hoping to move to one or two other what we call podcast directories, so to give a wider range as possible for people to find us and to listen to the program that we do. Obviously, it poses a challenge for us in terms of our archive, because, John, we have actually been going for eight years, which is a big archive. So it's eight years, 52 programs, some programs have two parts that we put up online, so that's a lot of programs that we have to move. Uh, 
every week I'm in my computer and I back up my computer and I back up the backup of the backup of the computer yeah. because every one of those was dug up. But thanks be to God for that. And, exactly. and so, in fact, some of those, um, you just mentioned iTunes there. Uh, we, as uh, Shane just mentioned there, we just uploaded some of our material there this week. And included in those were some very old um, podcasts or recordings that we've done way back eight and nine years ago. I mean, for instance, um, the vocation story of Father Noel Carmen was November 2009, I think it is. And then Father Frank Dewick, Newcastle West, his vocation story, February 2010, and Father John O'Shea. So that's the way we're going to try and do it. We're going to bring in some of the current stuff, but also bring in some of the popular programs from the past. Exactly. So, but for those of our, those of our, our, our normal, our everyday week, weekday listeners yes. that listen to the program on the radio, listen guys, we say thanks a million. Keep listening, keep tuning us in on a Sunday morning or Sunday night. We appreciate you having around. Now, John, and enough about the podcast that the internet and confusing people. We move on and talk about it. We will. <laughs> but I want to also, as part of that, and just add to what Shane said, thank you so much, guys, for all your prayers for the oh, over the last few number of years, because I know a lot of people have mentioned that. Just one last thing before Shane, Shane says some science with us. Um, if you want to contact us at all on any question, um, you, you can email email me, uh, e- email us, and sacredspace102 at gmail.com. Or you can contact the radio station, 069 is it? local telephone number, leave a message, or you can write into Sacred Space, care of West Limit 102 Local Radio, Sheehan's Road, Newcastle West. Now, as promised, Shane, for the next few minutes, is going to share with us some saints, some upcoming saints for the week that's going to, hopefully, we're going to journey with. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, John. Now, obviously, uh, one of the things we need to be careful about with saints, John, over the next couple of weeks, is, of course, the fact that next Wednesday... We have Ash Wednesday and the beginning of the Lenten season. And during Lent, the saints on the calendar very much take a back seat. Lent is a liturgical season of the year. It's a period of time set aside. And we're going to be joined in part two of the program by Father Luke McNamara from Dinsdale Abbey to reflect on Lent and the traditions and the customs around Lent and the opportunity it gives us in terms of preparation for Easter. But because of that, from a calendar perspective, then it also means that there are certain things where we, we focus predominantly on the, on, the, on, on the season of Lent itself <clears throat> as opposed to the, the saints of the week. But at the same time, we will go through the saints that would be on the calendar and we'll just uh, flag, it, uh, flag it to people. Now, as we said, Wednesday is the 14th of uh, February and it is Ash Wednesday. It is a day of fast and abstinence. Oddly enough, it's not a day of obligation. You don't actually have to go to Mass. Uh, but in Ireland, the tradition has been for people to go to take their ashes. But on Monday, just backing up to Monday, so Monday the 12th of February would be the feast day of St. I'm actually losing my page, John, would you believe this? Uh, it would be the feast day of St. Ethelwald of Lindisfarne. Now, Lindisfarne is in, no, it's North, North England somewhere. I must check, I'll check that next week. Now, Ethelwald was an assistant to Cuthbert of Lindisfarne, and the Cuthbert was a very, it's Durham, somewhere in Durham. Okay. And it's very, it was a very famous English saint. So Ethelwald was his successor. He was prior, he was abbot, he was a bishop. He wrote the Lindisfarne Book of the Gospels, which is now in the British Museum. And he, he died in, it's Northumbria, and he died in 740 AD. Then on the 13th of February, we have Saint Maura of Ravenna. Now, we don't know a whole lot about her, except that she was a martyr in the persecutions of Decius 
and she died in 250 in Ravenna in Italy. Obviously, then, the 14th of February this year is, the, is Ash Wednesday, so it's a day of fast and abstinence. For those that are praying the Psalter, uh, the, the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday of this week will be week four of the Psalter, and uh, it, it's the days after Ash Wednesday. So then on Thursday, it's the Thursday after Ash Wednesday, that's what it's called on the calendar, uh, the 15th of February. If we were celebrating the saints, it would be the martyrs of Antioch, who were a group of Christians murdered together, and they, we know five of their names, Agape, Baralo, Ischelo, Joseph, and Zomimus, and they're on the 15th of, uh, 15th of February. But uh, strictly speaking, it's the Thursday after Ash Wednesday. So then the 16th of February is the Friday after Ash Wednesday, and if we were celebrating saints on the 16th, we would be celebrating, actually, a feast day of St. Paul the Apostle. And it is called St. Paul the Apostle, or St. Paul the Shipwrecked. And this is in commemoration of Paul's shipwreck as recovered to us of the Acts of the Apostles, which, I, which is believed to have happened on the, the island of uh, Malta, I think. I need to double-check that one. And then finally, on Saturday, uh, which is the 17th of, of uh, February, we have the feast day of St. Fintan on the Irish calendar. Now, Fintan... Uh, was born in Leinster. He received his religious his religious formation in Tipperary, and he was deeply influenced by his penitential practices of his of his, of the abbot he learned under Cullum. And he made his own foundation in Clannock in County Leash, and he died in 603 AD. So that's how our liturgical calendar obviously lines up for this week. Just to point out to people a couple of things, obviously over the Lent. So Wednesday, obviously, is, the, is Ash Wednesday. And then as we go down through the calendar and we'll work towards Easter, so Easter uh, is obviously the 1st of April this year. So St. Patrick's Day falls on the 17th of March, obviously, which is a Saturday. And in Ireland, that's a solemnity. Uh, it also means, however, that the Feast of Denunciation, which is on the 25th of March, that's actually Palm Sunday. So the Feast of the Annunciation is actually celebrated this year on the 9th of April, just in case people were wondering about that, because Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, obviously takes precedence over the celebration of the Feast of the Annunciation. So that's what we have, John, in terms of our liturgical calendar this week. Any questions? I have, I have one question for you. We did speak about yeah. it last week offline, that mm -hmm. there might be some people who might have an interest in patron saints, maybe. Mm. Or saints, maybe, that I want to know a little bit more about. Um, or perhaps, we were saying as well, if people wanted to find out the patron saints of particular things. Yeah. Um, you know, just to let us know, and I'll go away and do a small bit of research and come back and tell everybody who and what we found. So again, you can either email me, sacredspace102 at gmail.com, <coughs> or you can contact the station, maybe leave a note in there, and I'll pass on the message to Bessa. I love the way Gay Byrne used to, I used to I love the way the gay, gay Byrne used to say on his radio morning program he got a postcard in from a listener. <laughs> like it, lovely, lovely. In the meantime, thanks for that, Shane. That, that's some accompaniment for the week. We will now go for our spiritual communion prayer. This is especially for those people. I know it's important for some people. It's it's important because some people, some of our listeners, cannot get to mass because they're sick or they're infirm. Or for one reason or another, can't get out of the house. Maybe can't even get out of bed. Uh, would love to go to Mass and love to, to receive Jesus at Mass, and, but they can't do that. But there's a spirit of communion prayer that we'd like to share with all these, with all these listeners.
My, my Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. So at this part of the program, we might go for our first bit of music. And this one, it's by a young group, Langelis, from Louisiana in the States. And they're going to play this little bit of music for us. This day God gives me. So let's hear this. This day God gives me strength of high heaven Sun and moon shining flame in my heart Flashing of lightning, wind and in its swiftness Deeps of the ocean, firmness of earth This day God sends me strength as my guardian My name is John Keeley. I'm still joined on the other end of the Skype line by Shannon Bros. And delighted to be joined again this morning. Um, we spoke before Christmas to a good friend from Glenstall Abbey, um, Father Luke McNamara. Good morning to you, Father Luke. How are you? Good morning, John. Thank you very much indeed for joining us again. And the reason why we, we made contact with Father Luke again was um, 
that, Father, you have something else coming up in the Abbey more recently, uh, shortly, um, a series of talks entitled Lent, in, in the, Lent at the Abbey. Maybe you can tell us about that before we go into your reflection on Lent, please. Well, basically, John, um, we're running a series of talks every Sunday at 4.30 on the readings of the Easter Vigil. <coughs> and many of your listeners will have been possibly to an Easter Vigil in their parish, and there is a long line of readings, and they very, get very little time to reflect on them. And so what we're proposing to do is to take one reading each Sunday and to explore that um, through a talk and then um, we've invited some outside speakers and some of the brothers in the community as well to give uh, explanations and and to to explore really with those who come these uh, very uh, fundamental readings for our faith and the history of our beginnings in Genesis chapter 1 the, the story of the sacrifice of Isaac a very difficult uh, passage for people and um, we'll be exploring on the second week and then the crossing of the Red Sea the liberation of the Hebrews from Egypt and um, so fundamental uh, a theme to to all our lives liberation from sin liberation from all that separates us from God and then uh, some of lovely passages in the later prophets where we speak about the um, discovering God in the desert uh, in Isaiah and then uh, more on Isaiah in the penultimate week and then finally we move to Ezekiel and the wonderful um, valley of the dry bones where people come to life and the water and the new water of life as well that Ezekiel speaks about. Many of these themes of course will link with baptism which we celebrate at Easter and so in a sense, it's an opportunity both to better understand the Easter Vigil, but also to better understand our baptism. Um, and that's why we're, we're looking at these readings in particular, because in any given parish, um, a priest has very little time after all these readings to speak on any of them. And generally, they speak on the gospel. So it's to give people an opportunity to explore these readings, um, which they wouldn't normally get to hear about and yet they're so central to our faith they've been specifically chosen for the easter vigil for this the most holy of nights in the christian calendar these readings are chosen for a reason because they're so crucial to our understanding of our faith and so that's why we're giving them such special attention this year it is hoped as well afterwards that we'll compile these talks and have them in a book and we'll hopefully get that published uh, sometime next year so in time for next year's. Uh, so if you missed the talks this year, you might be able to read the book uh, for next year. Thank you for that, Father Luke. Um, now, they start next Sunday, the 18th of February, I think it is, and right the way through to um, to the 25th of March. And right. they take place in, what, the, the, the 4.30 each Sunday in the Glenstall Abbey Library? That's right. They take place in our library at 4.30, and they run for about an hour. And then afterwards, we have tea and coffee. And then people um, often opt to stay for the sung vespers on Sunday, which are very solemn and very beautiful. So that's been the pattern that we had for Advent. And we repeat that pattern now for the talks in, in Lent. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for that, Father Luke. Now, we'll certainly keep on reminding people each week um, on the programme of the Progress Weeks and maybe what's been emphasised the following Sunday in your talks. But as well Thank as letting us much. know about that, Father Luke, you also very graciously um, said that you give us a reflection on Lent this year. Where would you like to start with that? Well, I suppose the first thing that one might say about Lent is why is it and uh, where does it come from, this period? And it, it's quite, it's quite um, a long season to lead into Easter, and it's really due to the importance of Easter. Easter is the central feast of the Christian calendar, and over time, Christians began to think they needed time to prepare for this most special uh, uh, feast of the year. And originally, it was the Easter was the special time for baptism, when people would be baptized, and most of the people who were originally baptized would have been adults. And the period of Lent was a special time of preparation for baptism. And so, the originally Lent was not uh, intended as such simply to be a preparation for Easter but specifically to be a preparation for baptism. Now, you might ask, why did everybody else do it? Well, the, the reason was that the community together uh, used to uh, join in with the, with the people preparing for baptism, the catechumens, join in the practice of, of uh, prayer and fasting and almsgiving. The, the Lenten practices that we know, those would have been the practices of the catechumens as they prepared for baptism. They would have also had uh, extra prayers. They would have gone to the, at the Sunday uh, Eucharist, they would have been special prayers and the community would be gathered around them. And so Lent was a journey that everybody made together to help those who were preparing for baptism. And then over time, it also became a time for the others to remember their baptism. So there's this very strong baptismal uh, uh, mark or imprint on the season of Lent. Where, and at uh, the Easter vigil and at Easter, we will celebrate our baptism. And we, are, we have the Easter water and we will have the sprinkling with the, with the holy water the, of, of our, to recall our baptism at Easter. So that's a very strong element to Easter. But that's how Lent first developed as a pre preparation period for baptism at Easter. And the length of time actually originally was only three weeks. Um, but over time, it became elongated to 40 days. And the reason was that there is the 40 years of the Hebrews in the desert that they wandered before they came to the Holy Land. And then there was the 40 days of Jesus in the desert at the with the temptation. So the number 40 was seen to be important. And so to, they wanted to make Lent 40 days. So Lent then would have started on the first Sunday of Lent. And you would have had 40 days leading up to Easter. Now, you might say uh, Lent doesn't start on a Sunday now. And I'll explain what happened. You cannot fast on a Sunday. In ancient times and, and even till today, Sunday is the day when we celebrate the Lord's resurrection. Even in Lent, we celebrate the Lord's resurrection on a Sunday. 
And so Sunday cannot be a day of fasting or penance because it's a joyful day. It's the day of the resurrection. And so you subtract. Um, we have six weeks in, in, in before Easter in Lent. So six sevens is 42. You subtract six days and that gives us um, 36 days. So we've only 36 fasting days then for, for Lent. And so we had to move back then to Ash Wednesday. We had to get four extra days. And that's, that's how we got to go back to the Wednesday. So, so people don't understand sometimes, why do we start this season on a Wednesday when we always start Advent on a Sunday and we end Eastertide on a Sunday and we, we end Christmastide with the baptism of the Lord on a Sunday? Why does this season start on a Wednesday? And that's the reason, because we had to have 40 fast days to prepare for our baptism at Easter, or to help those who are preparing for the baptisms at Easter. The other interesting thing is people often ask, why do we have ashes on Wednesday? And there's, there's a, a traditional um, reason for this, is that the, the Ash Wednesday, the Mass used to be celebrated in Rome by the Pope uh, in the Church of St. Anastasia, and the Pope would move from that church to St. Sabina. And he still does this uh, journey today where he gives the ashes to the people. But as the procession moved up the hill to St. Sabina's church, they would sing an antiphon. And that antiphon goes as such, let us change our garments for ashes and sackcloth. Let's, let us fast and lament before the Lord, for great in mercy is our God to forgive our sin. And that comes from Joel 2, verse 13. And the people sang this year after year, and gradually over time, not in Rome, but actually in Germany, first of all, people said, well, we're, we're singing this, let us change our garments for ashes, but we're not doing anything. So the Germans up in Mainz and in the German, in the Holy Roman Empire, began to uh, receive ashes uh, as we do today. And then over time, that, that custom was transferred to Rome. So the ashes, it really was an enactment of the, of the chanting. Of, it came from, and it came really from, from the people rather than from, from the church at Rome. It's interesting, something that, that came from the periphery to the centre. But we have two formula which we have at Ash Wednesday. One is regarded as maybe outdated some, by some people. Remember that you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. And the second is repent and believe the good news. The second one comes from Mark 1.15. And it's, it's good. It, 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 it's it's a, a good moral exhortation to us at the beginning of the season. But the other is perhaps more profound. Remember that you are dust, and unto dust you shall return. This is what was spoken to Adam and Eve after the fall. And it recalls our sin and our mortality. And it's probably good to do that because the journey of Lent is a journey from death to new life. And people uh, uh, today try to keep death out of sight and out of mind. But we Christians, we are about death, being dying to, to, 
this mortal life, to be born into new life. And that's what Easter is about. And in a sense, we can't receive the new life at Easter unless we put aside the, the attachments that we have, the, un, 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 the attachment we have, might have to, to this life. And so that, 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 that uh, prayer, remember that you are dust and unto dust you shall return, I think really puts us into the mood for, for, for Lent as a, as a time of preparation to receive the new life at Easter. And it's a wonderful emphasis of what we get through baptism, our baptism. We die with Christ, but to be born into new life, new and everlasting life, life that is not limited uh, to, uh, to here on earth, but to be eternal and to be with God. So that is really this, this wonderful vision. And I think the, the, the more traditional formula is per, perhaps uh, one I would favour because it, it connects with really where we're at in our lives. We realize that we are mortal. We realize that we are uh, destined to, to die. But through that, we also, and through recognizing that and through, it, through coming to terms with that, we better accept the new life of Easter that has already been offered to us in our baptism and which we will celebrate anew when Easter comes. The three practices that we have at Lent are, in a sense, there to help us in this. Fasting, uh, that is the, the first of them, it's really to remind us that we don't live on bread alone. We don't live on all that we get in this world. We depend on God and God's gifts. And the traditional notion of fasting was that it should be done together, not alone, but also that the benefits of your fasting, all that you could save up, wasn't to be saved for a rainy day or to, to buy some outfit, but rather to be given in alms to others. And fasting is about setting ourselves up in right relationship with, with ourselves and with others through the almsgiving. And then prayer is the link between those two practices, which sets our relationship at right with God. So really, Lent is a time of making our relationships, repairing our relationships, or settling them into where they should be. The relationship with ourselves through fasting, the relationship with others through almsgiving, and the relationship with God through prayer. So it's really about finding our place in the world again and before God. So, Father, Father Luke, could I ask you a question there? Just, yeah. you, it's just an interesting comment you made at the start there about the, the fasting. You said we, sh we shouldn't do it alone. What, what exactly did you mean by that? Basically, the, the practice of Lent is a communal practice. And mm. the, the households would fast together. And and the, it it wasn't that it was it wasn't that you you would have a competition to fast by yourself. So unless there was somebody sick in the house, the practice was that that it would the the, the limitation on the meal would be shared by all, and that there wouldn't be a separate diet for one and not for another. Mm. And and it's it's we we, we make the journey uh, to Easter as a church together. 
because mm. we're baptized into the church together. And there's this this idea of church as well, also in, in the almsgiving, that we that the, what we what we save through our fasting, we we don't hold for ourselves, but we give to others and to those around us. I really think that this idea is lost today because many people mm. fast to become slimmer or fast to become uh, better looking uh, or fast for other purposes. True fasting is, is really always looking out, not just to oneself, but to others and, and passing on benefits to others as well. It's it's an interesting point that you make because um, over the last number of years I have I have lived in uh, majority Muslim countries and obviously under Islam um, there is they have a, a period of fasting as well which is the, the season of Ramadan and that's something that has struck me very much observing it as an outsider or as a visitor to those countries is that the the breaking of the fast which is a which is a much tougher fast than we do. Um, there's there's no food, there's no drink for the entirety of the day from sunrise to sunset, uh, but it's very it's very communal. Uh, you know, you will have families, you'll have communities that will come together to break the fast, uh, the the iftar at the end of the day. And like you said as well, then like that, there's that echo as well of the alms giving, the the to 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 give to those that are not able that are that are in need. And like you said as well, it's very much an outward. Um, you know, and and add extra approach to the building of the relationships. You know that you know the relationship is very much, um, as you said, building relationship with community and building the relationship with God. So it's just, I think it's an interesting, it's an interesting, um, if you like, interreligious comparison to make sometimes as well. But uh, yes. sorry, you were yeah, you you were saying go on. Sorry, you were saying there is also um, there's an early Christian document called the Didache, the teaching of the apostles, and this um, practice of fasting and prayer and almsgiving is already in the Didache, which is, is, was uh, contemporaneous with the Gospels. So, and in Antioch, it was written in Antioch around 90, uh, 90 AD. So it's very, very early. And we have already this, this practice of the prayer, fasting and almsgiving. And, and it's, so it's, it's very early Christian practice but it's also found in Judaism as well. Mm. And this practice was taken from Judaism and, and Christianity and adopted by the Muslims. So maybe we should relearn our own tradition from the Jews and the Muslims around us in, in terms of the practice, the, these practices of, of, for, for our faith, because they're, they're inherently Christian practices and they, they go back right to the very beginning of Christianity. They're also in our Gospels as well. Mm. And, and of so, course, in an, Irish, in an Irish context, of course, uh, fasting was very much something that was associated with the early church in Ireland, and particularly with our early, early Celtic saints in many respects. Absolutely. And we have a, we have a, a very um, strong tradition from, the early, from the, early, the early Irish church before the Normans would have arrived. We very much had that, that what I would call more Eastern approach um, to to the um, to prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, mm. for, and the more collective approach. In fact, it, it's it's more that it might have changed a little bit with the Normans, and then more much more with the Enlightenment and with the Reformation. And um, but the uh, so I suppose for for listeners, um, I think the the the, the other 
emphasis I would like to make about about Easter. One was that it's a, a, we remember our baptism, and of course, what is baptism but being being dying and rising Christ. So it's the death and resurrection of our Lord which we celebrate at uh, Easter, which is the which is the kernel of our faith, but which is also into which we are baptized. So, so Easter is, is will be a passage for us from death to life, and to prepare for that, we have this long period of Lent, which, which is really a gift to us, and we don't have all that many lengths in our lives. We only have a limited number, but it is a privileged time. And there's a lovely line from the prophet Hosea and where God speaks of Israel as being unfaithful and having gone after other gods. And he says, I will lure Israel out into the desert. I will woo her once again back to me. And this period of Lent is a time for us to allow ourselves to be wooed back to God. And there are lovely readings at this time of year just to allow ourselves to be wooed back to God and to find that we are, there's an open embrace, uh, a warm bosom ready to receive us. That reminds me of uh, a, a number of years ago, we had Father Michal Liston on the program. And uh, Father Michal, like, you, like, you're, like you're doing on today's program, Father Luke, he gave us a reflection on uh, Lent. And he used a wonderful expression. He said, the joyous season of Lent, which or the joyful season of Lent, which isn't something I suppose that many people would associate with Lent. And you're after reminding us there, of course, again, that it is leading up to um, that that great joy at Easter and particularly for for the resurrection and the reminder to us that it is it's 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 an opportunity, as you said, to to rediscover, to take the time out to rediscover our relationship with God over over the 40 days. Now, unfortunately, we've come to the end of this particular section of the program, so we have to take a break, Joe. Is that not so? That's right. Now, at this particular stage, uh, we have to go for a bit of music, have a break, and then come back. And Father Luke's going to stay with us because we're going to continue to uh, with the program and, and continue to read and reflect on the Word of God in the Gospel for today. But in the meantime, uh, this bit of music will play to go out this section. It's by Emmanuel Community, and this one is entitled The Lord is My Light. So let's hear this.
So welcome back again to the third part of the program. My name is John Keeley, still joined on the Skype line by Shane Ambrose and Father Luke McNamara from Glenstone. And thank you so much, Father Luke, for, for sharing those thoughts with us. Certainly thoughts for us, uh, thoughts to take with us as we as we start our journey uh, in Lent this particular Wednesday. But this part of the program is we read and reflect on the Word of God. And Shane is going to pray this prayer that we always pray before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thank you, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us, so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for this Sunday, the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time, is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. And Father Luke is going to read that for us this morning. Thanks, Father Luke. A leper came to Jesus and pleaded on his knees. If you want to, he said, you can cure me. Feeling sorry for him, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. Of course I want to, said And the leprosy left him at once and he was cured. Jesus immediately sent him away and sternly ordered him, Mind you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and make the offering for your healing prescribed by Moses as evidence of your recovery. The man went away, but then started talking about it freely and telling the story everywhere, so that Jesus could no longer go openly into any town, but had to stay outside in places where nobody lived. Even so, people from all around would come to him. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus Christ. Thank you for that, Father Luke. So, as I said, the, the Gospel for this morning, uh, the sixth Sunday in Ordinary Time, taken from Mark chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. Father Luke, would you share a few thoughts with us, please? Yes, this is a, a fairly strange Gospel um, for many people. I think, uh, as a child, I used to wonder why this leper didn't obey Jesus because he tells him not to say anything to anybody and he goes off and tells everybody that Jesus has healed him. And there's no mention of him going to the priest like he was told to do and offer what was prescribed for his healing. But of course there is something more at work here. The strangeness of the story begins right at the very beginning. 
the leper comes to Jesus. No leper is meant to go anywhere near anybody. A man infected with leprosy is meant to wear his clothing torn and his hair disordered. He must cover his upper lip and cry unclean, unclean, and stay a long way off. But this man comes right up beside Jesus and pleads with him on his knees and dares to speak to him. If you want to, he said, you can cure me. So he seems like, it seems like he understands who Jesus is. He knows and has faith that Jesus can cure him. But there is a problem. He doubts that Jesus might want to heal him. And if we think about it, this is a major problem because Jesus wants to heal. That's what he's come for. That is his mission. And when it says afterwards that Jesus feels sorry for him, Jesus feels sorry, not so much for his leprosy, I would vouch, but for the fact that he doesn't think Jesus wants to heal him. So there's a sadness there because Jesus sees that the man doubts that he would want to heal him. And I think if we think about ourselves in our own situation, how often do we kind of bargain with God and say, God, I will do this and that if you heal me. It's as if we're not sure that God wants to heal us. And the whole message here, I think, is that Jesus most definitely wants to heal us. And he wants to overcome our doubts about that. And he does it so emphatically here. Jesus touches the untouchable. He stretches out his hand and touches the leper. And he says, of course, I want to be cured. So Jesus is willing to risk becoming impure, risk becoming an outcast by associating himself with the leper. Because in the, the mentality of the time, leprosy was not simply a disease, but it also anybody who touched the person with leprosy became impure. And Jesus risked his mission in a way by touching this leper. But instead of contracting impurity, Jesus, who is the source of purity, the source of holiness, he, there is a reverse contamination in a sense. Jesus purifies the ill man, heals him. And so he is the source of healing, the source of life in this story. But that's, that's, that source of life comes at a cost. The man at the beginning was an outcast, one who was keeping away from the people, covering his mouth, crying unclean, unclean. He comes to Jesus and risks the encounter and is, Jesus heals him. But afterwards, it is Jesus who has to go out and live in the deserted places. They've sort of switched places. And this is a foretaste of what is going to come later in the gospel. Jesus will take the place of us sinners in the passion and death. He will take our place. He will give himself for us. He will 
the man with the leprosy was covered with sores and lesions. And Jesus heals him, but he takes the sores and lesions of his crucifixion and his crowning with thorns to heal this man and to heal all of us. So the, our ugliness that we might have through our sin, Jesus takes it upon himself and he does it in such a generous way, making us whole through his death and resurrection. And this, this wonderful exchange, in a sense, bringing us to fullness of life through his death and resurrection. And in a sense, this is a wonderful reading for us to have as we come to the beginning of Lent, because it prepares us uh, for that journey from death to life. There are, there, there is a very, um, there's a, there's a, what we would call a variant reading in this passage, which I think is very instructive. After the man says to Jesus, if you want to, you can cure me, instead of feeling sorry for him, many manuscripts say that Jesus became angry. And I think this emphasizes what I said earlier. Jesus isn't upset at the man's condition, which is, which is going to pass. He will be healed. He is upset more at the attitude that he would doubt Jesus' desire to heal him. And I think if, as a parting message for this gospel, I think we should never doubt Jesus' desire for us to have life. Yes, we may have made mistakes at several times in our lives. Yes, we may have made repeated mistakes. But Jesus wants to make us whole. All he wants is for us to come to him, to receive his touch and his word, and to receive it with confidence that he wants to heal us, not to be doubting. And that is the only thing that saddens Jesus or that might anger him, is our doubt. He's so ready and so eager for us to have life. He wants the best for us. And that really is, I think, the, the, the message I would like to take back from this gospel. And I think at the end, where the man goes out preaching and disobeying, as it were, Jesus, the, the question I had when I was a child, when I read this story, I think, in a sense, that, that emphasizes how the man has overcome uh, his doubt and wants to spread the message to others that Jesus is there to heal them too. And even though Jesus is withdrawn to the desert, people still will go out to find him based on this man's word. So the, 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 the doubts that he had, he has been healed both in his leprosy and also in his doubts that Jesus would ever have any reluctance to heal or to give life to any of us. So the life that is an offer for us through the death and resurrection of Christ that life which is an offer through our baptism and which we celebrate at Easter is for all the church. And thank God for it. Father Luke, thank you so much for that. Um, at this particular stage, it's just about come to the end of the programme. But before we do, uh, before we go for that final bit of music, um, Father Luke, would you, would you remind us again, please, of the times and dates for the Lenten uh, 
for the Lenten at the Abbey? Well, the we are the series of talks, the Lenten talks at Glenstone Abbey will begin on the first Sunday of Lent, the 18th of February at 4.30 p.m. And they will run for every Sunday of Lent right up to the 25th of March, which is Palm Sunday. And every day the, the talks will be at 4.30 p.m. And speakers will be from the Abbey and from outside. We will have Terence Crotty, Dominican, who teaches in Dublin in scripture. There'll be myself, there'll be Francis Cousins, uh, who's finishing his doctorate in Durham. There will be Jesse Rogers, known to many of your listeners, who teaches in Maynooth with me in the Sacred Scripture Department. And then the last two speakers are from the Abbey, Columba McCann and Martin Brown. So all talks will be at 4.30 p.m. in Glenstall Abbey, and they'll be followed by a cup of tea. And for those who would like, uh, there would be Vespers, some Vespers in the Abbey Church at 6 p.m. Father Luke, thank you so much for joining us, Father Luke, this morning. You certainly give us lots of um, thoughts there to take away uh, with your reflection, first of all, um, in, in part two of our program on, on Lent, but also those those thoughts with the Gospel. So hopefully we'll, um, we'll get to meet you at some stage, uh, some of us, um, in Glenstall Abbey over the, over the coming weeks. So thank you again, and God bless you, and thank you for joining us. In the meantime, we'll have to finish the program by going out with a final bit of music, and this is um, from the Limerick Gospel Choir, and this one is entitled, Thank You, Lord. So next week, I bless you all now. Bye. Bye. Thank you very much. Sacred Space.